How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. You're listening to the Dynasty League Football Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. This is episode number 296. I am your host once again this week, Matt Price, with for my buddies, Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Doing well. How are you, Matt? I enjoyed the combine. And, uh, yeah, just ready to talk some wide receivers this week. Awesome, yeah. I didn't get to watch a whole lot of the, the Combine Live, but I did watch a bunch of it today. So excited to talk about that a little bit. Dan, how are you, fan? I'm great. I uh, listened to a lot of the Combine uh, radio coverage of it, which didn't, didn't fill the need. So I had a lot, of, uh, a lot of recordings to catch up on. Over, I'm in South Dakota where there's a blizzard, so I've had a little time to, to catch up on the combine and, and feel like I've caught up pretty good. I'm pretty excited about a lot of the players that we saw over the weekend. Yes, for sure. And we are going to talk about the combine loosely. It's not our main focus today. We're going to continue looking at landing spots this week with pass catchers. We're going to start off with wide receivers and hopefully get to a little bit of tight end discussion as well. Um, we are just going to dig right in because we have a lot to get to today, guys. So uh, the first thing I wanted to throw out there real quick was a room, some rumors that we have heard the last few days. One of them was really just an Instagram from Allen Robinson wearing a Cubs jersey, and that's kind of taken to Twitter now as, uh-oh, is Allen Robinson going to the Bears? Landry also, we know, is franchise tagged and signed it, and there's been rumors of him going to the Bears. Dan, which of these guys do you think is maybe a better fit? Is there a chance that they could both end up in Chicago? I don't know if both of them could end up there. I guess it's possible. And if there's a better fit, I'm, I'm going to have to say Robinson just because I feel like he f- would fit anywhere. Any team can use a 24-year-old wide receiver one who's 6'3 and 200 pounds and already has an 80-catch, 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown uh, season under his belt. So, I, you know, I, I read the reports that the Jaguars, that many, many believe they won't even try to re-sign him. That seems asinine to me. I, I'm, I'm scratching my head at all of that news. Everything surrounding Landry seems like you can kind of nod your head to it and say, yeah, I guess I see that. I know he's a 100-catch guy, but there are limitations to his game. It doesn't seem like Allen Robinson has those those same kind of limitation. He's a he's a true number one receiver for an NFL franchise, and I just don't understand the the news circulating that he's going to hit the open market. Ryan, your thoughts? 
Yeah, I was surprised with the Robinson news as well. I actually missed the Instagram thing. I'm not I'm not cool and young <laughs> like you, Matt. So I I didn't I didn't hear about the Cubs thing, but I did see on Twitter. I guess there was a report that uh, the the same report that a lot of us saw that they were planning on possibly keeping Marquise Lee and and letting Allen Robinson walk. And supposedly Allen Robinson liked that tweet. Uh, so I, I I did see that when that was interesting. Um, yeah, in general, though, I agree with Dan. Robinson has to be a better fit for almost any team. And Landry is is safer, probably both in fantasy terms and for an NFL team. But that Robinson upside that he showed a couple of years ago is certainly enticing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Trubisky, you know, he's. He, I think he looked as good as he possibly could with his surrounding talent there so it, it is uh both of them would be upgrades but i think you're right getting that true number one would really help them out as far as jacksonville go yeah i agree dan i mean that's their that, that seems like their biggest need on offense so why would you let the answer to that problem just kind of walk out the door so that seems very very curious to me so we're going to run through uh like we have in the past few weeks we're going to run through our list of free agent wide receivers our rookie uh wide receivers and then we'll talk about the actual landing spots Free agents, I, there's, a, there's a ton of them. There's maybe really only three stars and, and, and a few nice depth guys. But I did pull out the top 20. We'll run through these real quick. Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Sammy Watkins, to me, are the obvious three um, that could really make an impact both for fantasy and in the NFL. Mark Easley is a nice piece. Uh, if they don't bring Allen Robinson back in Jacksonville, presumably they are going to bring Mark Easley. Paul... Richardson is ready to it's ready to walk out the door in Seattle it looks like Terrell Pryor didn't work out in Washington maybe he's going back to to Cleveland like the rumor suggests who knows Mike Wallace at 31 is going to be looking for a new home Jordan Matthews John Brown Kendall Wright Albert Wilson has been rumored to Chicago so if that rumor is true then it seems likely that they would not be going after Landry because they would kind of kind of fill a similar role I think Eric Decker the old man at 31 is leaving Tennessee Dante Moncrief's a free agent Danny Amendola Taylor Gabriel Bruce Ellen Bryce Butler, Cody Latimer, Jaron Brown, and Michael Floyd. This list is uh, it's very top-heavy, you guys. Um, is there any any of them outside of the top three there in Landry, Robinson, and Watkins that seem interesting in, in, on a new team for you? We'll start with Dan. Yeah, you know, I don't know if there's if there's any lock, stock, and barrel. This is the guy I'm going to go chase after. But there's a few interesting names. Uh, Marquise Lee, whether he goes back to Jacksonville or not. Terrell Pryor still has a little bit of that upside, even though he's 28 uh, and wasn't able to really capture it in in Washington. Uh, a fresh start for him might be nice. But the name that sticks out a little bit to me is probably Jordan Matthews. Um you know, there was, and, and I really hope he returns to Buffalo. Everything coming out of Buffalo when that trade was made was how much they liked Jordan Matthews and felt like he would fit into that offense and what they were going to try to do. And then he wasn't able to stay truly healthy, and, and we never really got to see him play that role. He, he's His career arc has been odd, to say the least, uh, to, to hit the ground running in Philadelphia. Uh, in that rookie year and have that big year and then it tapers ever so slightly in the second year falls off in the third year goes all the way to being exiled to Buffalo and we haven't heard from him since really really so I, I still believe there's some upside there and I'd like to see him get a true chance to be the guy once again whether that be in Buffalo or someone else somewhere else it does seem like Buffalo likes him 
and that they're willing to give him that chance. And I think with another opportunity, he could at least be serviceable as a wide receiver three for dynasty owners. So he's the guy that, that caught my eye on the list. How about you, Ryan? Any, any guy, interesting guys on this list that you might want to see in a new location? Yeah, there's quite a few actually uh, looking a little bit deeper down the list here. Dante Moncrief. I still, uh, I still have, I guess some hope for him uh, uh, kind of flamed out a little bit in Indianapolis. I, I just wonder how much of that is related to, of course, the Andrew Luck injury. I, I do expect him to move on and, and not resign there. But uh, to me, he's the guy from this group that, that really needs a fresh start and, and still has some upside. I wonder if they're if, if Buffalo is going to be able to keep Jordan Matthews, and if not, why they traded for him. You know, he had a lot of injuries last season. It seems like, uh, you know, a player that they could certainly use going forward. He kind of occupies that same role as, as Zay Jones, maybe preferred spot. Um, so that might cause him to walk. But definitely some some interesting death pieces in this list. Well, let's move on to the rookies here. Uh, I know Dan, you updated your rankings post combine. Ryan, not not necessarily, so we won't hold you to these rankings. But I do want to run through a few of them real quick just because of the differences, so maybe we can get a little bit of discussion going here. Um, first question, though, we'll go back to you first, Ryan. How many, if any, of these rookie wide receivers do you see as, as future fantasy wide receiver ones? Well, I mean, that's, that's obviously a tough question. I think, um, I think Cortland Sutton has that upside. I think St. Brown has that upside. And, and then some of these other guys, Kirk and DJ Moore uh, especially, have – and and Washington as well, all kind of have a, a different game than maybe what we think of as a as a typical wide receiver one. But I think they could put up fantasy points. We've seen smaller wide receivers who we might not think of as NFL wide receiver ones really flourish as as fantasy uh, players. So I, I guess I I could see as many as four or five of these guys eventually in that top twelve wide receiver range if we're if we're talking two to three to five years out. Yes, definitely. The little wide receiver has uh, has made hashtag team big wide receiver not look so great in recent years with Brown and T.Y. Hilton and, and Tyreek Hill and these other guys coming on board. So definitely agree there that size is, is not a determining factor for them to be a, a fantasy wide receiver one. Dan, uh, same question for you. Do you see any guys that stick out as, as potential future wide receiver ones for fantasy? Well, I, I like Ryan, I think the list goes on and on. If we're just talking strictly potential, I, I think there might be double digits uh, as far as how many really good, wide, really talented wide receivers are in the class. Now, there's a lot that has to happen. It's not just talent that gets you to what, that wide receiver one group. These guys got to end up in the right system with the right coaching staff, play with a quarterback that can get them the football, and, and all those things don't happen. And that's that's why we see so many players not, not always reach their potential or, or a potential reason for them not to reach that upside. Uh, the, the guy who seems to me like a lock, stock, and barrel wide receiver one just waiting to happen is actually Kelvin Ridley. Um, I, I, I scratch my head as to why other rankers don't have him as their number one wideout. I, I really feel like he's number one in the landslide, and there's a long tear break between him and anybody else. I like Cortland Sutton. I like James Washington. DJ Chart showed a lot uh, over the weekend, of course, but Ridley is the guy that seems so polished 
a day one starter, the only guy in the class that has that top five elite wide receiver one uh, potential for dynasty, in my opinion. So you mentioned him. So let's go ahead and start there. He did run a, a 4-4-3 this weekend at the Combine, which is a little bit faster than I maybe expected him to. And you do have him ranked at number one. Um, so I guess maybe expound, expound a little bit on why you like him so much. Uh, for me, it's, it's strictly the route running that I love so much, and I, I really think that stuff translates and can lead to a long, productive NFL career. Um, Ryan has him at six, so we'll give him a chance to, to defend that ranking in just a minute, Dan. But uh, if you want to throw out a little bit more reasoning between Rid- for Ridley at number one there. Yeah, you mentioned it, what what the biggest point is, and that's the route running. He's, he's so sharp, and he's so good at the top of his route. Probably, or is, in my opinion, easily the best receiver in the class at, at creating his own separation. Um, and he uses that quickness and that speed that you talked about, that four four three speed, to, uh, to beat man coverage and is, is really good in zones at find, finding that opening. Uh, if there was better quarterback play at Alabama, he would have had a monster uh, final season with the Crimson Tide. There are, you know, drawbacks to his game, of course. I, I was a little bit disappointed with the uh, vertical, and you know, he didn't he didn't really show that explosion that you see on film. Uh, he's so good at uh, at the line of scrimmage, um, getting that first step on the corner. And we didn't necessarily see that with with those explosion numbers at the combine. The vertical jump was only thirty one. Uh, his broad jump was all right, but but not not elite by any means. Uh, and he could get a little bit stronger. Still, only weighs one hundred and eighty nine pounds. Seems like he should be able to put on a little bit more weight and get a little stronger. So uh, while he's not um, perfect or by any means he is a very polished prospect and that route running he's so good and so smooth that I think he immediately drops into any team on the NF in the NFL and becomes an instant contributor and a contributor for dynasty owners as well yeah I think that the biggest issue for a lot of people is the age Ryan is that is that the biggest issue with you with Ridley I wouldn't say that's the biggest issue that's that's kind of where it starts because that's that's the number that we've known uh, even before he got into high into college. You know, the stories that he wasn't able to finish his senior year because he he basically aged out of of high school athletics. But all of these other issues specifically that have come out the past year or two, I think are are maybe more concerning. Uh, the lack of touchdowns, you know, on that team with with those those receivers or lack of receivers, uh, even with the subpar quarterback play, I want him to dominate the receiving touchdowns for Alabama. And he didn't do that. And then the the size, the frame, I'm not a, I'm not a big guy as far as the spark numbers, you know, that's, that's not really not the first thing I look at by far, but uh, I think I, I, I think I saw a stat that, his his spark numbers are, are so low that only three wide receivers have ever been drafted with the spark numbers that he has. Uh, not drafted in the first round, but drafted at all. So, you know, again, we're not going to put all our eggs into, into the age basket or the spark basket or, or anything like that. But to me, there's a lot of little little concerns with Ridley and it all adds up to that wide receiver six ranking so for me the top tier of rookie receivers is six deep and and he's the last one of that group 
That makes sense. Uh, yeah, the, def- the touchdowns weren't necessarily there, only five in 2017, but he did dominate the reception load. He only had 63, but the next closest was Bo, Bo Scarborough, who, if you're familiar with him as a running back and his re- receiving prowess uh, at 17, way far below, uh, uh, what has, that, that kind of tells you kind of what the other receiving options were on that team. So um, definitely dominated the market share there, but the touchdowns definitely concerning. Uh, I, I kind of not worried about the age thing really at all. I think that that's more of a product when you're a raw receiver coming in, not almost a finished product like Ridley. So he is currently my wide receiver three, um, but I, I don't necessarily disagree with with either of you what you said there. So uh, moving on real quick here, DJ Moore. You guys don't differ too much on this, Ryan. You have him at number one. We'll go back to you first, Dan. You have him at three. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise to me see him at number one there, Ryan. Can you justify that ranking a little bit? Yeah, like I said, I, I do think they're the the top tier of wide receivers, rookie wide receivers, is six deep. And uh, unlike running back, like we have with Barkley, I don't think there's that hands down number one receiver that's that's really just bulletproof as a prospect. Uh, at one point, I thought that would be Cortland Sutton. I've kind of backed off that a little bit, obviously uh, moving him down to my wide receiver two rank. But with more, I mean, honestly, there's nothing not to like he he had the production in college uh, at a power five school even though uh, Maryland might not be that SEC or big 12 school that we that we get really excited about but um, he he had the production he had the production really in his entire career at Maryland so from from an early age uh, he's he's got the metrics and then he just slayed the combine so um with more, there's there's not much to dislike. I, I said with Ridley, there's just little issues throughout his game and throughout his um, his profile as a prospect. Moore's almost com- the complete opposite of that. To me, I can't find really anything not to like. As I said, Dan, your thoughts on DJ Moore? Yeah, I'm pretty high on Moore as well. I've been a fan for years, really watching him there at Maryland uh, and everything that Ryan said there is, is correct. He killed the the combine and even me as a big fan of him, didn't expect to put up those numbers uh, among the best in 40 time vertical broad jump, pretty much everything uh, he, he tested at. I, I, I really, if there's one uh, little thing I could nitpick, he, he seems incredibly aggressive with the ball in his hands. He, is hard to stop, hard to bring down, and looks like he is looking to score every time he gets it in his hands. However, up until that point, he lacks at times. He he kind of runs rounded route routes from time to time, maybe when he doesn't expect the ball, um, and and then he'll turn it on when he has to. And and that's I guess a small concern with DJ Moore, but. Like I said, that's nitpicking. He is a really nice prospect. I love the size and the speed. Um, like what I said with Ridley, where Ridley's only 189 pounds at six feet tall, uh, DJ Moore is a little thicker at 210 pounds, and he he played. You can see it, uh, and and doesn't lack any speed for sure, and has the killer instinct with the ball in the air. He he wants every ball thrown his way. So I like him a lot, and I think he definitely qualifies as one of those players with the potential to put up wide receiver one numbers at some point in his career. Yeah, I I don't differ with you guys too much. I have him at four. 
he he feels kind of like a Golden Tate style kind of player. If we're looking for a comp, maybe maybe if you want to go a little bit for, further and, and say like an Anquan Bolden type, just the way of his aggressiveness at the catch point and and that strength you talk about there, Dan. My one concern with him really is his is his ability to separate downfield. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be asked to be kind of that downfield threat, um, or if his upside is limited by me more more of a kind of a, a, a slot player there. Um, but I can't argue with any of the positives that you guys said for sure. Uh, one last rookie to talk about here. Uh, uh, he's been mentioned once, I believe, already. Equinemius St. Brown. Dan, you have him at 10. We'll go right back to you here. Um, I, I assume that's not like necessarily a, a, a knock on his ability that you have him at that ranking, just that you like some other guys a little bit more than him. Yeah, I like Ryan. I, I think there's a there's a group in there. I, I have it from two to six. He has one through six, and after that, I, I think there's a group of about five guys that are interchangeable. And uh, St. Brown certainly falls into that. But you know, he seems like the the player with the ultimate potential. That size and speed combination is. He looks lethal. Six five, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Um, he's tall and he. He has a great wingspan, uh, but the production didn't really always follow. And, and um, that that senior season or final season that he had at Notre Dame is a head-scratcher to me. Um, way too many drops. He lets the ball get into his body too much, and, and that's a big red flag for me. I, I like a guy that, that can catch the football at wide receiver uh, like most guys. So um, I was really happy with the 40-time he posted. He was a sub-4-5 guy, and he did 20 reps on the bench, I read, which was among the best at wide receiver. Uh, he's a big, strong guy and has all the potential in the world. He, another guy that qualifies as um, – a lot of upside and, and the potential to be a wide receiver one someday. I just don't necessarily know if he possesses the uh, the will or the fire to to be a great player. It seemed like that was lacking at times at Notre Dame, and that's a pretty big red flag for me. So while I like him, uh, there are other prospects at the position I like more. Yeah, I think you can attribute a lot to his, of his bad play and maybe some of his not caring to, to the quarterback play there this season. But you can't argue that the senior season was certainly disappointing and probably would have been better a spot if he had just come out after his junior year. Ryan, you still have him if this is a correct ranking for you at, at, at wide receiver four in this class. What is it about you that still gives you confidence in his ability despite this senior season? Yeah, I'm, I'm still a big fan of St. Brown. I was impressed by his combine. He actually did come out a year early, so this was his, his junior year that he just finished. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if we're, gonna, if we're going to talk about the quarterback play with Ridley, we have to do the same with St. Brown because Brandon Wimbush was, was just terrible, really, really bad uh, for, the, for that entire team this year, that they were able to win – as as many games as they won and and have that success uh says a lot about their defense and and uh their running game and everything else other than the quarterback position to me it was way worse than Jalen Hurts and, and the Alabama offense so and that's not to make excuses i mean a lot of the concerns that you mentioned Dan especially the drops that is a legit concern um but St St Brown is a guy i've just kind of fell in love with as a prospect really from uh, the beginning of his Notre Dame career. And it, it's definitely a boom bust 
uh, ranking and, and a, he's, he's a boom bust prospect. I think he, he might have the highest ceiling of any of these guys. And when you're looking at the, the players that we have ranked in the top five or top 10, he probably has the lowest floor as well. So, um, you know, there is some risk if you're using a first round rookie pick on a guy like him. Uh, we've seen in mock drafts, he's kind of all over the board. I've seen him as high as the second round, as low as the as the seventh. And, and some people have even questioned uh, pre-combine if he would even get drafted. So that's a little scary. Obviously, if he were not not to get drafted, that would have to change the ranking. I do. I do value that draft capital uh, when ranking and, and looking at who I'm going to draft. Uh, but for now I would be willing to take a shot on St. Brown and, uh, and just that upside that Dan mentioned. Last question for you guys. And we'll go back to Ryan first, uh, on these rookies anyway. Um, how many of these guys are in your first round of a rookie draft? Um, I would say, I think the combine was so interesting because the players who probably entered at the top, uh, Ridley, certainly, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe James Washington, guys like that didn't help themselves as much as they could have where we saw DJ Moore and St. Brown and Christian Kirk kind of boost their stock. And in my opinion, at least. So to me, I've already talked about that top tier of six. I think the whole top tier just kind of came together. Some guys falling down a little bit and some guys moving up. I don't think all six of them certainly will be in the first round with all those running backs that we'll see. I would say probably four, four first round wide receivers. And and then, uh, the rest running backs. That sounds about right to me. Uh, Dan, any disagreement there? I, I ended up having five. I did my rankings okay. on Sunday night and I ended up with five and it was the, it was the final choice of DJ Chark. It, it, did he move all the way up? And, and I ended up putting him all the way up there at 12 right next to Christian Kirk and just felt like I would take those wide receivers over carry on Johnson uh, or Royce Freeman, who were, who were the running backs that I was choosing at, at the time. So I ended up with five. I think there's still a lot of room, obviously, for these guys to, to move around a little bit. Landing spot's going to say quite a bit. But it, after that uh, top two tiers of running backs, the wide receivers are mixing in nicely with that next group of running backs, I would say. And, and that tier really runs into the second round. So it's not like the 13th pick is a lot worse than the 12th pick at this point. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm running some uh, rookie mock drafts for uh, together our rookie ADP right now. And uh, just seeing some of these guys who I felt like were first round locks, James Washington, Christian Kirk, those guys are falling into the second round. I was shocked. I like it. Again, we're talking about mock drafts in March. So Dan, like you said, there's lots of time for things to change those early second round picks are going to be some good prospects. Yeah. James Washington is actually my number one wide receiver in this class. So I, I am excited if I can get him in the second round. Definitely bonus question. You guys, I know we're talking primarily one quarterback leagues here, two quarterback or super flex obviously changes a lot of things. Ryan, do you see more than maybe two wide receivers being in the first round in a, in a super flex kind of setting? I, I can't see more than two because I yeah. think all five of the quarterbacks belong in the first round. Um, so to me, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, One it, could, two, it, yeah. it could easily be five quarterbacks, five running backs and, and two wide receivers. That's about where I, where I see it too. Uh, Dan, any disagreement there? No, none at all. 
Great. Um, let's go ahead and dive into these landing spots then, you guys. Uh, let's see, where are we at time-wise? We're about, about half an hour left in the show, so we should have time to at least get through this first set here. Uh, I broke these down a little bit differently than the last last uh, three two weeks. Two weeks. Um, for wide receiver position, I broke them down into if they need a one, if they need a two or a three, and if they just need a wide receiver three or a depth piece. And we're going to focus primarily on the on the guys that really need a, a wide receiver one here, uh, just because I think they're, they're a little bit more interesting. Start off at the top here with Arizona. I think you could probably argue that Larry Fitzgerald is obviously their wide receiver one, but you know he's in his probably in his final year. I'm not even sure why he's coming back at this point with their quarterback issues. Um, but both John Brown and Jaron Brown are free agents. J.J. Nelson is still kicking around, and Chad Williams was was a, a highly sought after rookie prospect last season in dynasty leagues towards the end of rookie drafts. Um, but they obviously need a one here, Dan. Uh, your thoughts on this situation for Arizona and, and, and maybe a, a, a pick or two, whether it's a rookie or a veteran that might be able to fill a nice need for Arizona. Well, it, it's really an odd situation there, as you kind of pointed out, with the all the question marks surrounding the quarterback position and, and the coaching's change and, and everything else. And then Fitzgerald's still there, and, and he's their, their top target and their, their top pass catcher. Um, I looked through that free agent list, and I think with especially with those top names, unless they're throwing a lot of money at them, that's not a very exciting destination for for a guy uh, like Allen Robinson or, or Jarvis Landry or even Sammy Watkins or, or some of the other names you mentioned. So unless you're going to dip down into that second tier of free agents, I'm, I'm not sure that anybody really wants to go there. So then you start looking at the draft and and you know, Arizona has so many other needs as well. I'm not sure that they're going to dip into the wide receivers really early, but those guys that we talk about in the second round or third round of the NFL draft, uh, one of those guys landing in Arizona seems like there could be an opportunity for immediate playing time. Uh, learning under Larry Fitzgerald is never a bad thing. I don't think so anybody landing in Arizona, especially if especially if they're able to find a quarterback, that might be a nice landing spot. Maybe Fitzgerald's just going to catch like 150 balls, balls next season. Uh, uh, but uh, Ryan, we'll go back to you with Baltimore. Mike Wallace is a free agent. We don't really know if he's coming back. I'm not really sure why he would. Uh, Chris Moore, Brashad Perriman have mostly been disappointing. They keep trying to make Michael Campanero a thing. Uh, there's really nothing here. We joked last week that we don't want anybody to go here, but somebody's going to catch the ball next season in Baltimore. Do you see any of these free agents uh, as a nice landing spot or one of the rookies, maybe? Well, I, I think uh, obviously they have to do something, and they've, I mean, they've been rumored with Landry. That I think that's the conversation we had last week. It seems like several of the the bigger names they have at least shown interest in now again will wide receivers want to go there they're they're a little more um you know i guess a little more closer to success closer to a playoff spot than maybe arizona will so maybe it's it's more appealing because of that they've also been predicted i guess or projected to be interested in uh, in Ridley and several of the mock drafts I've looked at, and there's the the connection between their front office and Alabama players that they seem to really focus on on those guys, which is usually a good decision. So maybe maybe it's Ridley that they target, uh, but I mean, really anybody that lands there, I think could be um, 
could be a player to target only because they, they are going to see that volume. It sounds like they're ready to kind of give up on Perriman. Uh, it's it's just not going to happen with him, unfortunately. So whoever they land, whether it is a rookie or a free agent, is going to be their wide receiver one, most likely, and, and is a player to, to target. Calvin really does seem like a like an Aussie Newsome kind of kind of draft pick for sure. Uh, I think both Allen Robinson and Sammy Watkins could probably make some hay there, since the only thing Joe Flacco can really do is throw that really deep ball. You know, both of those guys I think could could have some success there. Um, but let's move on to Buffalo. Dan, he's they've got Kelvin Benjamin there. I, I think there are still questions if he is a, is a true wide receiver one or not. Uh, 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 Matthews is a free agent. Zay Jones, of course, your man crush is still there and, and hopefully is going to be better for them in, in year two. And then Deontay Thompson, who flashed a little bit last season, both for the Bears and the Bills. Um, he's, a, he's a free agent as well. I don't know if they bring either of those guys back, um, but talk a little bit about this situation. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of a need. Really, Benjamin and Zay Jones are the only wide receivers under contract at this point. And I talked about Matthews potentially coming back and that being an all right fit. Um, there, there's a lot of things up in the air in Buffalo as well. The whole Tyrod Taylor thing, is he going to be back? And they say he is, but does anybody really believe that, that, and, uh, should they, um, you know, Benjamin coming off the knee injury, he was never really himself after getting hurt. And I, I've never been a big Kelvin Benjamin fan, but he is a playmaker and, and can catch the ball, especially around the goal line. So that factors into how any free agent or rookie may translate into this offense for, for dynasty purposes. I, I don't necessarily see this as a great landing spot just because Benjamin has a year left on his contract and is, is kind of cemented into that number one role unless they really get a big name or a high-end draft pick. Uh, and then Zay Jones, I love him. He really struggled as a rookie. I think Buffalo likes him enough to to give him a pass on year one and, and see what happens in year two, but uh, nobody should be surprised if they bring in competition for snaps with Zay Jones after he struggled so much as a rookie. Yeah, I have I have higher hopes for him. Just he's not going to get the 220 targets or whatever it was his last year in college, um, but hopefully his target volume increases there a little bit. Ryan, we'll go over to you with with Carolina. Devin Funches. I mean, I, I get he is their wide receiver one. I don't know if he is a true wide receiver one or not. Curtis Samuel is a rookie last season. I like quite a bit uh, pairing him with McCaffrey, but uh, just didn't work out for him in year one, but mostly based on injuries. Demir Bird, Russell Shepard, neither of these guys are really super exciting. Uh, so speak a little bit about the Carolina situation, who might be a good, good uh, target for them. Yeah, I think I might almost disagree with them being in the category, honestly. I, okay. I, was, re- I was really impressed with Funchess last year, and we've already heard some – uh, some positive buzz on him this off season, as far as he's ready, ready to take the next step. And, and, you know, those fun coach speak kind of off season stories that, uh, that actually change the value of players when, when it probably shouldn't. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I said, I was impressed with Funchess. I, I do think it, he continues to improve. I, I, after what we saw last year, I really don't think there's, um, reason to doubt that he can get better from you know even from what we saw last season uh i do also like samuel i don't think they can go into the season counting on samuel as a starter though so uh whether funches is is an nfl wide receiver one or not they clearly need to add uh some pieces there 
and uh, they with benjamin and and uh and funchess they do seem to target a specific type of wide receiver i was surprised when they went after samuel last year so as far as a specific player, honestly, I'm just not really sure because they, they've become a tough team to predict as far as the types of moves they're going to make. But um, we saw the Rams really address their wide receiver need last year. Uh, and a, that underrated addition of, of Robert Woods, that's kind of the move, the type of move that uh, the Panthers need to make. We just need to figure out who the Robert Woods this year is. <laughs> that will be, uh, yeah, that secondary target there in Carolina will be an important piece for next season, I think, for sure. Uh, we kind of already talked about Chicago, Dan, but feel free to give your thoughts if you like. Uh, uh, Wright is a free agent. Kevin White, what's happening with him? Cam Meredith coming back from a, from a pretty terrible injury, but I, I liked what I saw out of him in 2015. Marcus Whedon, Dontrell Edmonds, a free agent. Again, rumors that Wilson could, is going to assign there. That, that seems like it's almost a done deal. And then, of course, the, the Robinson and Landry that talk that we mentioned earlier. It seems like a mess, you know. And what's interesting about the Bears mostly is they they've had a little bit of trouble identifying wide receivers in the draft and, and finding a guy that can make an impact for them. Um, a couple of big swings and misses, White being one of them, of course. And and you know the truthers say, well, we haven't really seen what White can do when he gets on the field, but. That's that's a big problem, not being able to be on the field. So, you know, you mentioned the Meredith injury. He's going to be back. Uh, will he be able to participate this offseason? And, and will he be able to pick up where he left off a couple of years ago when he, when he made that impact? Uh, Kevin White and the question marks surrounding him. They obviously need another pass catcher in Chicago. Uh, Mitch Trubisky took a step forward as a rookie, although he caught a lot of flack. Really, he played well at times and protected the football. And I I think there's the potential, if he has the right weapons around him, for him to be productive and and turn a good receiver into maybe even a step above good and a a really good receiver into a great one. if, if he has those pieces around him. I'm, I'm not sure which way they'll go, of course, uh, whether it be through free agency, uh, bringing one of these uh, free agents uh, that are on their roster back into the fold, or like you mentioned, Wilson, who's a free agent, or the draft. Um, but it seems like there needs to be a number one receiver here. Uh, between what, they, what they're losing in free agency, White, Meredith, and Albert Wilson, I'm not convinced that that there is a number one wide receiver in that group. So it, it remains to be seen what happens, but I, I would hope they would aim a little bit higher than the group they have right now. Yeah. Meredith is definitely my favorite amongst them. Um, one of our newer writers who has been doing some video work from us as well, Alex Rollins, he uh, put out in our boxer chat today that he's been studying Trubisky and he thinks he's, he's going to be a stud. So um, there's, there's definitely high hopes for him in year two. Hopefully they can get him some weapons. Ryan, we'll go to you with Dallas. Uh, there is rumors everywhere that, De- that Des Bryant might be cut. Jerry Jones seems like he doesn't want to do it, but the rest of the, the front office seems to be leaning that direction. If he goes, we're, we're staring down the barrel of Terrence Williams, Noah Brown, Cole Beasley, Ryan Switzer, um, Bryce Butler, also a, a free agent there. So that's not a great situation. If Des goes, they could certainly use a one there. Um, what do you think Dallas might do at the wide receiver position? Well, I, I get the the reasons for potentially parting with Bryant. It, it it makes sense from their perspective, both financially and uh, and when you consider some of the 
off-field or, or locker room issues that it, we've at least heard about over the past, well, I mean, really throughout his entire career, honestly. So I, I get that part, but if you're going to make that move, you've got to have, you've got to have a backup plan when you're, when you consider yourself a contender as, as the Cowboys obviously do. And I, I have no idea what that backup plan is because it's not like they're, they're stacked behind Des Bryant. If they keep Bryant, they need to make multiple moves at the wide receiver position. Cole Beasley took a step back this year. He had been a, a solid contributor, uh, both at, from a fantasy perspective and, uh, and for the Cowboys. Uh, I thought he took a step back. Uh, Terrence Williams is just continues to be frustrating. I, I still can't figure out why they gave him a new contract when he was a free agent um, last year, or the year before still doesn't make sense. So really they need to completely overhaul this, this wide receiver core uh, from top to bottom. And, and whether that involves Des Bryant or not, they need a lot of help. And if they do decide to cut him, then they're basically just starting fresh. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure what their cap situation looks like. I don't know if they can be in play for one of these, uh, one of these big name free agents, but uh, we've already talked about Allen Robinson. He would be, uh, if you're getting rid of Des, he would be a great fit there. Uh, or, or really if you're, if you're keeping Des, no matter what, Robinson would be a great fit. Uh, again, I'm not sure if they can afford a guy like that. Yeah, I actually hope they do move on from Des for for Des's sake. I just think that he needs a quarterback who's willing to to you know let him go up and get the ball, throw up those fifty fifty balls, and Dak is such a conservative quarterback um, early on in his career. You know, it's it's worked out for him for the most part, um, but it's not really working for Des. I think Cortland Sutton will look pretty good in a Dallas uniform. Uh, I'm kind of filling that role too. Uh, Dan, we'll go back to you with Jacksonville. Uh, actually, I think we can probably skip Jacksonville. Actually, we talked about Route Robinson and Lee. Um, so we'll, we'll actually go down to the Rams. Uh, Sammy's a free agent. Do you think Robert Woods is a true number one? And if not, then what are they going to do with that spot? Yeah, I think he's a number one. I think he proved it uh, last year. And, and like Ryan said earlier, he was the free agent darling of the wide receivers, and nobody really knew it. And if I wish I could identify who that guy is this year um I I don't necessarily think Sammy Watkins needs to return I know there's a lot of talk about those things but with Woods already in place Cooper Cup uh impressed to say the least as as a rookie and you know maybe there's room for that third guy that would maybe play on the outside so Cup could stay on the inside um but there's talk of Tavon Austin potentially uh the Rams parting ways with him uh, so whether they try to do it through free agency or, or I think a nice place, a nice landing spot for one of these rookies would be the Rams to work with Jared Goff and in that offense that is on nothing but the rise. Uh, plus only, I, it sounds bad, but only Robert Woods is the number one. There's obviously room to spread the ball around there. Uh, Woods isn't going to command 150 targets or anything like that, although he'll put up big numbers and, and Cup will do the same. I think this is an offense where a rookie would fit in real nice uh, and potentially be that guy that could, could take a back seat to one of these other guys for year one and start start taking on a bigger role as, as the following years come down. So while I think the Rams fit in here, maybe they need a one slash two, uh, I don't necessarily think that has to be Sammy Watkins, and I, I really see them as one of the top landing spots for one of these rookies in the uh, late first, second round. 
That makes sense. Um, I, I didn't mention him, but Josh Reynolds also there. I think if Sammy goes, then Josh Reynolds can kind of jump into that same role if they want to want to keep that that kind of uh, uh, just that kind of I guess really decoy in their offense uh, as Watkins was used, and I think Reynolds could fill that fine. Uh, Ryan, we'll move over to the Jets. Uh, they're just a mess, man. <laughs> the Bears are a mess. The, the Jets aren't too far behind. Robbie Anderson, he, he flashed, but now he's got some off-the-field issues, probably going to get suspended, and we don't know how that's going to sour their, his relationship with the Jets or not. Quincy Anuman coming back from uh, from injury. Uh, uh, we all liked our Darius Stewart last year, but he didn't really do much as a rookie. Chad Hansen, you know, he he's a, an exciting young player as well. Sharon Peak, uh, but these are all really just, just guys that have a lot to prove so far, and no real, real uh, uh, kind of rock solid targets there for for their quarterback. Uh, which you know, hopefully they have a new one, new quarterback as well. So, uh, Ryan, talk about this Jet situation a little bit. Yeah, in some ways it, it is pretty bad, uh, but I, I do think they're better off than some of the other teams we've talked about, the the Bears and, and the Bill, really Bears, Bills, Ravens, Cardinals. I, I think they're better off than all of those guys. We've we've seen some strong play from Anderson and Anunua. I still kind of believe in Ardarius Stewart, uh, even though we didn't see much from him as a rookie. So I, I think they have some talent. They have some pieces. And I, I think they actually fit this category perfectly that they've got the depth already. They do just need the number one guy. Um, and they've, they've also got a ton of money. We've, we've already heard rumors that they want to throw that money at Kirk Cousins. That looks like that's probably not going to happen or not going to work out for them. Uh, but they would certainly be in play for one of those free agents if they could lure them uh, into uh, lure them into town and, and, and you know, with that with that promise of being the number one, again, that's that's a tough sell though. We they have quarterback issues. They're not a playoff team for probably the next year or two at least. Um, so it would it would be a money grab. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna move it along quickly here because I want we want to get to the tight end position. We're gonna skip over Seattle. We know uh, Baldwin has kind of been their their de facto number one from the slot position there. But like we said, Paul Richardson's gonna be a free agent. Tyler Lockett has kind of been a disappointment. Amara Darbo might be somebody to look for in, in year two if they decide not to do a whole lot either in the draft or in free agency. San Francisco, we've got Garcon, who I I love this 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 upcoming season, and Marquis Goodwin finally showed up to his potential. Trent Taylor made a little bit of noise but they're kind of lacking a true number one there as well that might be a nice spot for for Allen Robinson as well if they want to go out and get a a nice target for for Garoppolo there but Dan before we get to tight end I'm going to let you uh, talk a little bit about Washington here because I know how much you still love Josh Doxson Uh, I still kind of question the fact that if if he can be a true NFL number one uh, uh, Jamison Crowder there obviously in the slot is going to be a high uh, productive uh, player there uh, from a volume standpoint Pryor's a free agent Quick's a free agent they don't really have a whole lot else uh, behind those guys so talk about Washington a little bit here yeah you know I really like Doxon as I've talked about before uh he struggled at times throughout his first two years both staying on the field in his rookie year and then with some drops and and some maybe questionable route running at times uh in his second year but 35 catches and 500 yards averaged 14 yards per catch and, and scored those six touchdowns. The thing that I always came back to with Doxon is how much it seemed like that Washington coaching staff wanted him to be that number one guy in that deep threat to go along with that red zone threat. And with his skill set, especially in the red zone and, and that high flying personality and uh, playmaking ability, it seemed like a natural fit. 
they they were forcing the ball to him at times, and those are nice fantasy assets to have when when a quarterback is 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 doing everything they can to get him the ball now whether that was Kirk Cousins or that coaching staff I'm not 100% sure but it really seemed like Doxon was the only guy on a deep route and the ball was going there no matter what from time to time so uh, while I do have concerns with him and and don't think it's a it's a lock that he becomes that wide receiver one in Washington or a wide receiver one for dynasty owners I really feel like there's still the potential for that to happen with all that said there's room for another receiver to be brought in here to Washington with Pryor and Quick both being free agents and outside of Doxson and Crowder there isn't a lot on the roster uh so so all that remains to be seen and whether it's a rookie or a free agent we don't know uh either way this is a make or break year for Doxson and we should know relatively quickly uh in 2018 whether he's gonna finally realize that potential or not Yes. Um, so let's go on down to the tight end position here. We're going to skip over the, the rest of the league that, that might have a little bit of wide receiver need, but not nearly as much as the, the dozen or so that we talked about. Uh, at the tight end position, from a, from a free agent standpoint, we've got Jimmy Graham, Tyler Eifert, Austin Safarian Jenkins, and Trey, Trey Burton as really the, the kind of the top four of the class of the free agent class, if you will. Um, at, at the rookie position uh, coming in, we've got Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard are really the, the two exciting ones for me. I know you like uh, <laughs> Gusecki. Is that is that the right pronunciation, Dan? Yeah, so I know you like him, and, uh, and there's another, another few rookies there. But those two guys at the top are really the two that I'm looking at, combined with these four free agents here. Uh, uh, Antonio Gates is a free agent. I don't really know if he's going to continue playing. Ben Watson's a free agent. These guys are all uh, uh, towards the end of their career there. Um, but the, the teams that I listed as, as needing a starter, and really we could, I mean, we could really list a lot more teams than these, but the ones that have the most serious needs, I think, uh, and Arizona, who has, has not traditionally used a tight end, but now that Arians is gone, there might be a position there for in the field. They have uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, who flashed last season, but we don't know if he's a sure thing. Baltimore, they signed a million tight ends last offseason, and, and none of them really worked out for, for them. Uh, I know you still like uh, Max Williams. Williams there, Dan, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Green Bay uh, didn't work out with Martellus Bennett. Uh, Richard Rodgers is a free agent, so uh, they definitely have a hole to fill there. I personally would like to see Jimmy Graham go to, to Green Bay. Uh, Houston, we don't know what's happened with C.J. Fedorowicz. Uh, he had a few concussions. His career could be over, and if that's the case, then there's maybe a, a hole to fill there. Jacksonville still hanging on with Mercedes Lewis. New Orleans, um, Kobe Flaner's not the answer. Sorry, Jeff Miller. Uh, so I think that they could really use it. There's another rumor out there that Graham might be reunited with, with the Saints as well. The Jets, uh, not really much to speak of. Seattle losing Jimmy Graham. Luke Wilson, also a free agent, I believe. Um, so there's a little spot there. And then Washington, of course, we have um, uh, Jordan Reed, who, who can't stay on the field, and, and, and Vernon Davis is still hanging around there. Um, but these teams, I feel like, are the ones that need the start of the most, you guys. Ryan, um, any, any of these teams particularly strike you and maybe a matchup landing spot for one of the free agents or rookies? Uh, several of the teams I would be excited, really, if any of these top free agents or uh, or rookies land there. Green Bay, your all's Packers. Um, you know, I, I got I got fooled by Martellus Bennett this time last year. It, uh, I, whoever goes there, I'm I'm 
going to uh, probably target them again, and hopefully it'll work out a little bit better than it did with him. But I like Green Bay as a landing spot. New Orleans, obviously, we we have to like that offense. Seattle is intriguing, and I'm really I'm really surprised the way they're handling Graham, honestly, um, because they used him they used him so much, you know, in the red zone and, and even on the goal line, I think, uh, I think it was Rich Rebar that called Graham the best goal line back in the, <laughs> uh, in the league, which that's, that's really, uh, indicative of, of how they used him, uh, in that offense. So to, to walk away with, from him with, with really no backup plan again is confusing, but, uh, whoever lands there, I would be interested in, um, as far as perfect matchups, I mean, Trey Burton is, is the one guy that I'm chasing no matter what. Um, I think more uh, easily more than Eifert, easily more than ASJ, and, and even more than the big name Jimmy Graham. Trey Burton is the one free agent tight end that I want. Um, I've been trying to buy him in every league I can before free agency hits. Uh, he's still... Uh, super cheap or at least he should be in in most formats so uh, I want to buy him now and then see where he lands and if it's Green Bay or Jacksonville or New Orleans or Seattle I'll feel like I hit a grand slam yeah you're right about that I, I, I couldn't agree more Trey Burton is the guy that I keep getting pulled towards and I was I was able to pick him up in a lot of places uh, late last year and have held him into the offseason. I just can't wait to see where he lands. And Green Bay is the obvious choice for me. And not just because I'm a Packer fan, it just seems like uh, he he could be the a little bit less known name that could make everybody forget about Martellus Bennett. I like you, Ryan. I got sucked into that as well. And I'll continue to get sucked into, into any vortex that has Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball to any player. So and, and at tight end, there's a definite need there. So Green Bay is at the top of the list for me. I also like Houston quite a bit. I think there's room for somebody in the middle of the field there with the vertical threats and of course nuke being there as well i think somebody could do a little bit of damage uh right there and then jacksonville especially if a rob leaves they're gonna need a pass catcher so that's that's a nice fit new orleans you mentioned i'm not quite as high as on seattle we saw jimmy graham misused before they finally figured it out over late in his tenure there in seattle i'm not convinced if they're not going after uh Jimmy Graham, then I'm not sure that they're they're really that committed to using a tight end because they have the guy in the building already. As far as these rookie go, rookies go, I think it's a really nice class, and I'm a little bit surprised that the experts out there or the mock draft pundits or whatever you want to call these guys aren't, aren't including these tight ends late in the first round a little bit more. I, I, I think it's relatively popular for Jacksonville to be mocked one of these tight ends um, we've seen Goddard and and Andrews mocked there a few times uh, Gusecki is the guy that really grabs my attention every time I watch him he's that big vertical threat not much as far as blocking goes but we don't care about that in fantasy right so uh, that, that guy that can get down the field um, stretch the field from anywhere 
and also be that big threat in the red zone. I would love to see him land at one, with one of these quarterbacks. Um, if he landed in Seattle, I'd, I'd be pretty excited about that. Uh, also, Green Bay, Houston, uh, New Orleans as well. Uh, if he lands with a quarterback that can get him the ball and, and use him correctly, and especially a coaching staff that uses him as that vertical threat, I, I'd just go gaga over that. And I, I like the other guys as well. Uh, Goddard. South Dakota State guy. Uh, if you haven't watched that guy, he's impressive to watch. He's huge. Uh, and the catch he made in the Dome against the University of South Dakota is worth going on YouTube and watching. He's going to be a good player. I was impressed with what Hayden Hurst did at the Combine. Uh, after watching that, I put his film on and thought, man, I, I missed on a pretty good player here. Uh, somehow I, I went past him. So he's moved up my rankings as well. And then Mark Andrews, who, who most people think is the top, or a lot of people think is the top tight end in this class. He's a good one as well. So I, I think the tight end class is deep for these rookies. And these guys that are going to go in the second and third round in the NFL draft are worth our attention in the dynasty community. Yes, we, we need some punch at the tight end position. And while I don't think this class is, is as good as, as the 2017 class, I think there are definitely some some future starters in there, maybe some future top 10 guys in terms of fantasy. So I'm excited to, to see where they land. We're going to get out of here, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. This was episode number 296. Uh, for my buddies, Ryan and Dan, at RyanMC23, at DMiler22, and the podcast at DLF Podcast. Uh, let's, we're going to get out of here, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.